Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, on the Work Break Show last week, we talked about how CBS Corporation has made a commitment to more diversity in their casting for some of the reality shows, which made me think of today's question, which is this, Trish, what is your favorite reality TV show of all time? Oh my goodness. <laughs> your questions are so difficult. All right. I, I spend I minutes preparing them. So yes. Minutes preparing them. I think it will be Big Brother. I am just, the HR girl in me is so fascinated by human behavior and how people interact in groups and how all the little alliances form. And I know other shows offer that, but that one, what threw me for the first moment though, and we'll see if our guest maybe has like a really old reality favorite as well. But I went in my head all the way back to the original MTV real world. First season, baby. Like, I don't even know what year that was yeah, in the yeah. 90s. It's classic. Right. So I, but I, so that particular season or two or three I liked, but I didn't stick with that show forever. So I guess I'll go Big Brother. Yeah. So I have the benefit of knowing the question, unlike you. So I, I had prepared a couple of thoughts. I did have in my possible notes, Trish, I did write down the real world because that is the classic kind of the, the OG, right, of this, of this genre. Okay. I do love Big Brother as well, but uh, I like Top Chef a lot, cooking competition show. I watch it every season. I listen to podcasts about Top Chef. Like, like I, I follow it almost obsessively as I follow the NBA. So um, it's probably one of those three. I don't know. Well, I didn't know that cooking shows were considered reality shows, Steve Bose. Uh, well, okay. I, I, I use an I expansive definition. Then. The original Iron Chef was pretty darn good. That was good, too. That had a little more scriptiness uh, to it, though, to me, I think. But uh, fair well, enough. It was all real. I think we'll ask our guests the question as well. We've got a great topic today, Trish. One that we honestly don't talk enough about, I think, on the Happy Hour Show over the years, which is HCM technology and HR tech in the small and mid-sized business space. We just do not talk about it that much. And probably over half of the enterprises in the United States anyway are small and mid-sized businesses and they need HR technology too. So we are here today to talk about some of those things and some of those issues. And our guest today is Hanif Ismail. He's the Vice President of Strategy and Product Management for HCM at Oracle NetSuite, where he leads the overall product development of NetSuite's HCM Suite. Hanif has more than 20 years of executive leadership experience in the HCM market. He started his career driving large-scale HR transformation initiatives across the globe for Fortune 100 companies, such as Ford and Swiss Bank. Since then, he's had several leadership roles at PeopleSoft, SAP, and Salesforce with a strong track record of success in leading organizations to increased innovation in product strategy and management, go-to-market strategy, strategic partnership development, and customer advisory. Hanif, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Do you want to weigh in on reality TV? Because I think when Trish mentioned the real world, I thought you, you snickered yeah, just yeah, a yeah. touch. Yeah. You know, my favorite, I have to say, is maybe you guys will remember uh, the race thing. What's it called? Oh, the Amazing, oh, the amazing race? race. The Amazing Race. That's the one. That's, That's the one. one. My daughter and I have always said that we wanted to go on that show together. That would be fun. So that would have been, I think, an amazing experience. So, <laughs> now, do, you, do you think that you could, because I think it's really key who you go on there with, right? Do you think you all would get along well enough? Or You know, we'd start off pretty well. <laughs> Let's say we'd start off pretty well. I don't know how we'd end up. <laughs> so you'd make for good TV then. That's what you're saying. There you go. <laughs> all right. Hey, 
CBS, I know they're going to be uh, listening to this, so please hit him up. He needs to start. We'll be right there promoting it for you. Absolutely. Well, great. Hanif, thanks for uh, sharing that. So, hey, like I said at the top, Hanif, we have not spent enough time talking about HCM technology in the small and mid-sized space. We just haven't. And that's my fault, I suppose. I would love for you, for the benefit of folks who are not as familiar with NetSuite, Oracle NetSuite, can you just give us kind of the 90-second, two-minute overview yeah, sure. of Oracle NetSuite and, and sort of give some folks an understanding of, of, of the organization and who you're serving? Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to. Yeah, we have a unified business suite um, that encompasses, you know, whether it's ERP, financial, CRM, e-commerce, human capital management as well. We have about 22,000 customers globally. Um, it's completely cloud-based as well. We also serve, you know, we have customers that ha could have a few employees, as an example, and they're entrepreneurial, they're growing, and we scale with them as they get bigger. Anif, thanks so much for that. And um, yeah. native cloud, right? Technology we're talking about has always existed in the cloud. It wasn't a hybrid of 17 different nope, things. No, it started that, that piece together. Okay, understand. Right. Hanif, I'd love for you to share with us kind of, because um, we've had this conversation on the high end, Trish, a couple of times throughout the, the pandemic, right? Of what sort of big organizations have been dealing with. I'd love, Hanif, for you to share some thoughts around with the smaller and mid-sized organizations that you guys help and support, what are some of their challenges and some of the issues that they've been facing as we've, as we've droned on to eight and a half months here of working from home and pandemic and all the changes that that's wrought? Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, in a sense, it's really crazy times. Uh, you know, I, I would have never guessed that in my lifetime, uh, maybe I was too naive that, you know, I'd be walking around with a mask continuously or working remotely from home for this long. Um, I never thought I'd be working from home this long as well. Um, and, but, you know, I see it in movies and so forth and you think, yeah, this is not going to happen. It's never going to happen in my lifetime, but here we are. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, from our customer standpoint, we're seeing a couple of things, you know, I'll point out a couple of items, I guess. What, one is we're seeing a shift, if you will, in more broader acceptance of remote workforce. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of customers and a lot of uh, companies out there that really weren't, didn't have a large amount of remote workforce to start with, right? And the, this was kind of forced on them and they had to push them, they had to force themselves to go remote. And in that situation, I think a lot of them have learned that, you know what, this is not so bad. We can make this work. This still seems to be productive. And as they come out of this, it looks like that they'll have a very different perspective about the remote workforce. I'll give you an example of a customer actually that I was talking to recently, PropLogix. Uh, this customer uh, provides services and tools for the real estate market. They actually had, I think a handful, if I'm not mistaken, of remote workers when they started. And then what they did was during the pandemic, they're based out of Florida, during the pandemic, they grew significantly. And as they grew, because the pandemic was forced on them and they had to start having everybody work remotely, they actually came out of that and they said, you know what, this is really effective. It's not that bad, it works. So it was interesting what they said, which was they used to only source, their talent pool was essentially in their local market, in the sure. region they lived in in Florida. And now because they found that this works, their talent pool, has now spanned the US. So they're able to bring in a vast amount of skill sets that they couldn't in the past. 
So a very different perspective. And I kind of, yeah, I was surprised of what they had said, which was really interesting. You know what, I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think, you know, we, we kind of listen to a lot of different companies, what they're doing. And I don't know that I've heard anyone really speaking very much about that, especially yeah. in sort of that small and mid-sized company space. But, um, you know, to your point of them having um, good acceptance, I wonder too, if it's because when you are, whether you're, you know, two people, 2000 people, 3000 people, from a leadership perspective, sometimes you can have a little bit better hands-on still yeah. with that number of employees. You're a little bit closer to them. And I wonder if that'll drastically change how those, for the ones that plan to get bigger, if, if this new sort of acceptance that you mentioned will also change kind of the way they expand beyond just, you know, obviously opening up, um, you know, more diverse talent pools across the, the globe potentially, right? But I wonder, too, I wonder if we'll see acceleration even in, in the way they develop. Um, so are you all thinking about that? I know, you know, being the head of product and strategy there, right? You're, you're probably thinking about those things. Is, is that starting to change even the way your team talks about sort of the evolution of, you know, your solution? Yeah, absolutely. It's having an impact in terms of how we design applications, to your point as well. Uh, from an internal perspective in terms of our staff and stuff, we were pretty global in the first place and there were quite a few people working remotely. So there were some ups and downs in the beginning, if you will. People had to get used to this new paradigm. But we also learned from that. You know, we just developed as an example, one of the, one of the concerns uh, customer have in this kind of remote situation is accountability. And we were also looking at this, which is how do you hold people accountable? Uh, when they're working remotely. And, you know, if you're in the office, you kind of, in a sense, have different spheres of input. And one of those threads of input could be is visibility. You're seeing the individual. You might be asking the question while you're in the hallways, hey, how's this going? How's this project going? And you're getting a pulse and you're getting a lot of information, right? You also might see the individual really putting in a lot of hours, as an example. So, you've got all of these touch points that you're seeing, but then when you go to a remote situation, okay, now you don't really have that observation that you did when you were in the office, which then says, okay, you've got to think about how do you manage their activities, their work? Well, that's where performance management really becomes more and more important because that observation piece isn't in there well, now you've got to start really thinking about managing them with goals and what they've accomplished. So it, I think it, the lens puts, it, uh, puts a different lens on that, if you will. And as we're, you know, to your question about designing. So even we just announced performance management. It just came out. And one of the things that we also considered as part of that is goals are changing very radically right now, very rapidly, especially with the pandemic and depending on the industry and so forth that you're in, they're changing and they're shifting depending on the conditions in the marketplace as well. So one of the things we did was we said, all right, let's figure out how do we create a goals framework that allows you to interact with that very easily, very effectively so that you don't feel like it's a daunting performance management process that you're going through. So we use the Kanban kind of board, and we said there's three columns, right? There's plan, there's in progress, and there's closed. 
And then you have cards underneath each one of these. And as things change, you just have to move your goal cards around and reprioritize them or add in new goal cards. The concept of this was, and we tested very different models with our customers, again, to allow for that agility and that flexibility. But the context of this was that, think about, we wanted to mimic customer behaviors, user behaviors. So when you think about it, you know, here's the things that I need to do today. What do a lot of people do? They have yellow stickies. I got yellow stickies all over my place. Or you have a working list, right? And you write stuff out. And as you accomplish something, you strike it out. Well, we wanted to mimic data. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yellow sticky in the book. There you go. That's exactly it. That's what I usually have on my whiteboard behind me. I erased it for this. <laughs> but that's, so we wanted to mimic that kind of behavior. Um, then the other thing is, you know, also in that, from the design perspective, is collaboration, embed collaboration within the applications itself. So you and your manager, as an example, could have discussion threads about that particular goal, as opposed to now having to pick up the phone, make a call, and also be able to kind of set up a meeting again on this when it's a short conversation. You don't necessarily want to be able to do that. Right now, I think one of the things that we're facing in this uh, remote situation is, I don't know about you guys, but my calendar, and I hear this from a lot of people, just tons and tons of meetings coming up. Because a lot of times you could handle some of that stuff in hallway conversations. They're quick questions and you get them done, or you need some input, you get that very quickly. Now everything turns out to be a meeting. So your calendar starts getting blocked off. So there's design things, those are just examples of things that we have to account for as well. So it's putting a different lens on it, a, 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 an extra lens on it, if you will. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I love that. I love that you sort of, I mean, it, to me, um, thinking if I've got my customer hat on, I'm thinking, gosh, you're describing really trying to build a solution around the way I work, right? Because, yeah. you know, again, this, this will be for the audio. I held up, you know, as you're talking about this yellow sticky notes, I mean, I've got, that's what I, I manage myself by that. I've got that. I've got my, my little moleskin book here that I'm writing notes in frantically. And you know, that's interesting, I think, though, too, to think about having a solution that's going to help me manage myself, my day, my team, and, and our performance together collectively. Um, like you said, I, I loved how you put that, how, it, you know, we used to manage by visual touch points, basically, and now we're moving to this, to truly where it is about goals and productivity and results, because we're, we're pulled in so many different directions in new ways. So, I th it makes sense to me. I, I think our uh, I think our listeners would probably agree with that. I'll just give you one one idea for free. Um, sure. <laughs> I love free ideas. <laughs> design ideas? No, I'm I'm also like my whole career. I've been the queen of like I get inspired by somebody and I put a sticky note up in the corner of my of my computer. So maybe yeah. there needs to be like some sort of a room for an inspirational something at the top of the uh, screen. I don't know, but anyway. No, in all seriousness. Uh, no, I know you've got some some really great uh, enhancements too that we haven't even touched on. Um, one of my favorite areas is payroll. I am a payroll <laughs> inside out. Yeah. And I think it's because I love to get paid and I dreaded payroll <laughs> for many years. But when I actually got to lead it and be responsible for it, it gave me a whole new appreciation. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the... Um, the, the new enhancements that NetSuite has with regard to your, your payroll? Yeah, sure. Happy to. In fact, 
one of the, and you kind of raised that and it touches on a point that we were just talking about was also one of the feedbacks from our customer, especially during these times is reduce the amount of processes, reduce the, streamline our processes is probably the better word. Streamline these processes, break down the barriers, organizational barriers, system barriers, data barriers, functional barriers, right? Especially when you think about it again, just going back to the fact that we were talking about in a remote situation, you don't have that hallway conversation anymore. Your HR business partner might not be sitting right next to you right? Or somebody else that you need to collaborate with, maybe it's the financials team and so forth, aren't really right there and then for you. So one of our customers actually put it best, which is uh, Final Site uh, is the name of the customers. And they build website solutions, essentially uh, for uh, schools around the world. One of the things that they experience with Sweet People, specifically to your point with payroll, and that's why I bring it up, is that they implemented HR, Sweet People HR, Sweet People Payroll, and NetSuite Financials as well. So they implemented all of these three pieces. And one of the unique factors that they pointed out to us was also the fact that when you, because we're a unified suite, we have one single shared data model across the entire suite. So whether you're an ERP customer, a commerce customer, a Sweet People customer, it's one unified data model that everybody gets. And because of that, when they actually commit their payroll, and they go through, they do the, do the gross to nets and so forth. Uh, and when they commit their payroll, it actually updates the GL immediately. It's part of the process. It's right there. GL is available because it's aware of it because it's a shared data model. So their point of view was, I don't have to have this reconciliation nightmare anymore between my payroll systems, my HR systems, and my financial systems as well. So it's kind of completely removed that. Uh, but also on your question about payroll, one of the things on payroll is, <laughs> and I'm sure a, lo a lot of other people have seen this, which is with the pandemic situation, the amount of compliance work has just dramatically increased for us. And we've seen a significant increase in compliance work, uh, you know, whether it's for paycheck, paycheck protection, whether it's for the family's first regulations and so forth. So we've had to respond to a lot of that. And that's probably, I think we just estimated that. And that's probably three times the normal effort of compliance work that we've had, that we've had to increase there. So a lot of work there. Um, the other thing that we're working on is in payroll to your question also is enhancements in our calculations engine, making our calculations engine more flexible to support complex formulas. So if you think about 401k matching as an example, if, and you have multi-tiered matching. So we want our engines to be able to support those kind of complex formulas. And the multi-tier matching could be, you know, I pay 100% match on the first 3% and then 50% match on, you know, the next three to 6% as an example, right? So we're enhancing our payroll engine to be able to do a lot more of those co uh, complex calculations. Anif, that's a great example that speaks to a bigger point, I think, which I wanted to touch on a little bit, which sure. is this, the ability for the small and mid-sized customer to have access to some of the most powerful technologies and capabilities out there, right? We all have been in this business for a while, some longer than others, I'd say, not me, maybe, but, um, but we can recall a time where the best technologies or the most capable technologies, say one that could do a sophisticated multi-tier 401k match, those simply were just out of reach 
for the small and mid-sized customer. They were too expensive. They were too complex to administer. Yep. You had to have maybe your own data center, right? In order to right. install yep. those applications back in the yep. day. Now, none of that is true anymore. And uh, which I think is great, right? I think the d- democratization of capability to the small and mid-sized com- customer is probably the most important story yeah. of cloud applications in the last 20 years, I think. I'd love for you to comment a little bit because you've got that big company background as well, so, yeah. both from the product side and, and, the, and yeah. the, the transformation side. I'd love for you yeah. to talk about that. Is that your experience and how is that improving the outcomes for your small and mid-sized customers who can have access to great and powerful yeah. technologies? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point because I've had to personally also go through, you know, and like you said, I've worked for large organizations. I've worked for, for uh, medium, small businesses as well uh, in different capacities. But one of the things that we've noticed a lot in some of the principles that we try to apply in this specific market that we're in compared to the enterprise market right, is the cost paradigms are very different right, between the large enterprises and the small. So that's one major thing that we have to keep in mind. Complexity is another one, right? From a complexity standpoint, small organizations, they don't have an army of people. They have very few people and keeping it as simple as possible makes a huge difference and it's that experience. But it's also that experience about what we call sweetness, which is you know being able to tie everything across the suite together. So that again, back to the earlier point about efficiency, right? Process efficiency, streamlining that process. Now, if I'm in one part of the suite and then I go to the other part of the suite, the hope is that they're all aware of each other. So you're not saying, hey, I just entered this information, my absence information there, and now I'm in our PSA solution uh, and we're assigning consultants to a particular project, you know, and I'm assigning somebody, don't come back and don't, let, don't let me assign somebody to that when they're already going on PTO as an example during that period. So, you know, the suite's gotta be aware of each parts of this and that's part of our sweetness message as well. So that's the other aspect of this, it, that the efficiency, the simplicity that we have to keep in mind as well. The other one that ties to cost, uh, uh, cost parameters is also probably implementation. Okay. Right, the implementations, uh, you know, it can't be large, it can't be massive, you've got to simplify that implementation. One of the things that we're also learning uh, is that self-implementations, a lot of customers want to do a self-implementation as opposed to having a team come in and install for you, especially in this market. Uh, So that's the kind of thing that we're looking at and we're looking at innovations in that space as well. And then also functionality, you know, there's all sorts of functionality that customers might say, especially in the lower end of the market, yeah, I don't need all these bells and whistles. I'm looking for the basics. So there's, hopefully that gives you a perspective of some of the kinds of differences that we're seeing. Yeah, you know what, I thank you for sharing that because I I definitely have worked in organizations that are small and mid-size in HR in my past. And that was, I think you hit on a number of some of those pain points that have existed for a very long time, especially when you're kind of talking about how lean they can run. Um, one quick question, a follow-up sure. question on the implementation uh, yeah. one, because I get this a lot myself, just from practitioners in general. A fear that they have is that they might not actually buy technology all that often in their career, You know, especially if they join a company and and stay put for a number of years, right? right? You might not even have that opportunity. Um, 
the big fear that, that they bring to me is usually around implementation, you know, and am I able to do it myself? Am I able to have a team do it? How does this all work? Could you maybe just dive in a little bit deeper if you can and talk about, you know, if I'm a company of a thousand employees, for example, how quickly, um, if I'm having, having you all as my partner help me with my implementation, how quickly could they actually, you know, sort of go live? Is there a time frame on that just to give them a flavor for how easy this actually is? Because I think they, they fear that this is something that could take a year or more, you know? Um, yeah, no, it certainly doesn't take that long. Right. <laughs> so again, it's not the enterprise mindset. So it's very different from that context, right? right. These customers don't have that much time. Oh, just to add to that, it's one of the things that we have, and I'm not sure if you're aware of it, is, is a uh, practice and it's our go-to-market practice called Sweet Success. So what Sweet Success does is for all the customers we have, and like I said, we've got 22,000 customers uh, for NetSuite. And when you look at all of these customers, we've learned a lot from all these customers. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we take those learnings and we establish them as best as um, as leading practices for customers, if you will. So we also pre-configure some of these things so that when you're implementing with a customer, it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel and implement from scratch. You're able to use these leading practices. In payroll, in fact, depending on the size of customer you are, we even pre-configure a lot of the rules and so forth for that customer. And then during implementation, they can adjust it as well. So there's a lot of opportunity for that. And that's a process that we follow, which allows us to get into implementations much faster. Uh, so, yeah, but, it, you know, to your question, not to evade it at all, it, it's, you know, it's, it depends, depend, obviously the standard answer that you're going to get from most is it depends on the complexity, the rules and so forth. But I would say anywhere around 30 days is what we're looking at on the wow. sweet people side. That's Thank really you. I, I just Plus wanted to see. Answer, I was I was hoping. I figured your answer would definitely be a much shorter time frame. And I just wanted. I think that that's out there though, right? Because again, if yeah. people haven't done this, they might have some something far different in their head. And so yes, just understanding that you do have so many things that are sort of pre-configured using all of your experience with other customers, um, it actually can be a, a, a much less painful process than even five or ten years ago. Yeah. So thank you so much. Not a problem. Hanif, I've got one more question, and this speaks sure. to some of the enhancements uh, that have been okay. uh, coming from, from sweet people, and it also speaks to a challenge that we're seeing in the marketplace across the whole market, right, from small to okay. to large. And in fact, I talked about this today on our Alexa show that I do, which was remote onboarding. I, I was reading about Amazon, right? So not a small company at all, but one of their major HR challenges as described by their head of HR was uh, onboarding employees remotely. I'd love to um, hear some more, Hanif, about how you guys are approaching improving the onboarding process and how some of the improvements and the enhancements that you're rolling out might help organizations who are still maybe doing remote, uh, yeah. remote hiring and remote onboarding. Yeah. Uh, happy to. In fact, you know, it's interesting that one of our customers also, and quite a few customers actually, have said, you know, in a remote situation, when you're onboarding an employee and they're in their office and they come into the office, they get to know all of you, right? Because you're all in the office to some degree, they get to meet everybody. And in a remote situation, how do you facilitate something like that? Um, so one of the things that we've also done in that context is you know, we were talking about the implications 
of the remote worker these days as well. So one of the things we did was we have a, a product called Directory Search and Org Browser. Org Browser, think about as an organizational chart. Directory Search essentially has basic information about an employee, right? Uh, your contact information, uh, who you are, your address, all of that kind of stuff, right? Just basics information about their employee, who they work for, and so forth. Now, it was usually tied to a sweet people license, which meant you had to have sweet people in order to have that basic capability. So one of the things that this has also influenced, the pandemic has also influenced is we've said every customer, every NetSuite customer, whether you have sweet people or not, you should have a basic profile of your employees. You should know where they're located. You should know their pertinent information about them. And you should know where they are in the organizational structure and who they work with, who they work for, and so forth. So we've actually, from a licensing perspective, we've disassociated it from our sweet people license and actually given it to every NetSuite customer. So again, that's one of the changes that we've made. And you wouldn't typically think, you'd think about design changes, you wouldn't necessarily think about license-based changes that were also made. The reason that I also bring it up from an onboarding standpoint is that the customers also said that, you know, this is great because now they can engage with their, during their onboarding process and be able to see, okay, here's the rest of the team makeup. I can look people up and so forth. So again, whether you're a sweet people customer or not, that's something that we uh, provide. The other thing that we're also doing with onboarding is we're improving the experience. Um, the experience that we have right now it is a, um, it isn't a digital experience. And that's what we're moving through. We're overlaying the experience with a wizard-like look. And that's what we're gonna provide to our customers fairly soon. So that's something that's going on in there. But again, with that sweetness kind of mindset, and because we're one sweet, you will be integrating in there and you'll have other services included in there like procurement as an example. So we'll tap into our procurement application and as part of the onboarding process, you can order equipment if you'd like. So again, that's the power of that unified suite that we bring to the table. Similar kind of thing like in performance management uh, that we've done in, in our performance management application, one of the we didn't want to, you know, when we, we just introduced performance management, as I said earlier, we didn't really want to do that in the same manner that everybody else. I didn't want to be another performance management application in the industry. We said, we went to our customers and we researched it with our customers and we said, what are the things you want us to solve in here that have been barriers that have been challenges? One of the key things that keeps coming up that kept coming up was engagement. Help me improve the engagement with our performance management application. Think about it. When's the last time you updated your performance goals? Maybe once a year because you are maybe mandated to do that, right? So how do you change that? And that's the problem we started to solve. And we said, let's take a look at how do we leverage the power of the suite to help us solve that? Because most of the employees are working in that suite. You know, if you're sales, you're working in CRM and so forth, right? So how do you leverage that data that's already there and inject that into the performance process? So what we did was we surfaced metrics from across the suite. And then we allow them to take, allow the employee to take that metric that surfaced from across the suite and attach it to a performance goal. 
So now that becomes a self-maintained metric. This net suite, the suite itself will maintain that. So let's take an example. You could be a sales rep again. Let's just go back to that. And aside from meeting your quota attainment, obviously, <laughs> it's primary. The next one might be is win rate. And your win rate, you want to improve that win rate. So now that win rate, let's say we're having a conversation. And let's say, Steve, you're, you're my manager as an example. And we're in a one-on-one. -on -one. Now, because that metric's already there, there's no time, there's no time attributed to collecting the data. Right. The data's there. It's all there. So you see it and the employee sees it on a continuous basis. So might be having a one-on-one -on -one or some other conversation, and you say, hey, Hanif, your win rate's still at taking it up 30%. It should be at 40% or 45%. Now tell me about your last deal that you did. Because I don't need the data, I know the data. Yeah. Tell me about the last deal that you did. And tell me about the experience with that deal that you lost. What went right? What didn't go right? And let's see how I can help you. The conversation changes from data collection to now more coaching. And that's where we wanted to get to. And that's what we're hoping for. Um, so again, we've surfaced these metrics from across that. And then the other context that we've also added in performance management is the aspect of as soon as you close your goal, you then reflect on that goal. And that's what we call it is reflect. So you go in, you and your manager are both prompted and it says, you know, uh, how did it go? How, what went right? What didn't go so right? Let's talk about these. And you document that information so that when you get to your formal performance review, six, eight months down the line, you're not scrambling to find all that information. All of that information just flows directly into your performance review. And you're 60, 70, 60 to 70% of the way there. So it doesn't appear as though it's that huge daunting task anymore. Yeah. So and we even, really think we've approached it differently and we're leveraging that suite, the power of that suite to help us solve that. Yeah. And if I saw it, I was lucky enough to see a demo of some of this a few weeks back. Absolutely. And I was super impressed in specifically with some of the things you just talked about, about how the goals were, could be configured, tied to other metrics throughout the suite. Right applied into the performance and coaching process. And it's really, it goes a long way into simplifying the process, as you said, making it more, um, allowing the manager to spend more time on what's really important and also taking right. out some of that ambiguity or this, why, why do we hate performance reviews, right? Oh, they're unfair. They're subjective. They're, they're right. biased maybe, right? And right. I'm not saying we can solve all of that, right? With some sure. simple improvements to the software, but we can start working towards it. And the ability for small and mid-sized businesses in particular to be able to work towards that is super important as well. Um, yeah. I mean, we could probably go on for a while longer about this. Yeah. I'm so passionate I, about this. I can keep talking. But about. I know, and it comes through and, I, you know, and I'm so glad that we uh, were able to talk to you today, particularly around innovation in HCM technology in the small and mid-sized space, because I think it's something I want to talk about more on the show, Trish. I hope you do too moving forward. And I think it's, it's great to sort of shine a light on some of this innovation. Great. Well, we look forward to participating in it uh, much further. Awesome. Hanif, uh, where do we tell people to go to learn more about Sweet People and all the things you, you and your team are doing? Yep. You go to netsuite.com. There's a lot of information out there. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos as well. So lots of information out there. Great, great, super. And then also your account reps for those that are NetSuite customers. Yeah, let's hope, let's hope many of them are listening to this too. That'd be great if they are. All right, awesome. Great stuff, Trish, good stuff. I loved it. You got to, know, and you got to talk about payroll, which I know you love. I was, you know what? Just all of it. Honestly, I just like getting kind of into the details because I think, you know, we do some, some shows that are a little lighthearted. And then I, I really think these where we get 
kind of down into the details of how someone makes a selection, why to do it, how to do it. I think those are, those are the how-tos that people are looking for. So Absolutely. hopefully everyone gets a lot out of it. All right, and good Trish, stuff. I noted down your idea, your inspirational idea about you Yellowstone. You got that idea? <laughs> I got that <laughs> Awesome. Remember, there you said go. free. There you I go. Get that. <laughs> All right. I don't know. It probably goes back to my days. I, I recently went back to using a Franklin planner, like the paper planner. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. ever had one of those. But, you know, each page has sort of a little inspirational quote of the day. Yeah. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see if it helps. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been super fun. Um, for our guest, Hanif Ismail from Oracle NetSuite, for Trish McFarlane, my name's Steve Bose. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And I, I, Trish reminded me to say this, and because I, I always forget, if you like today's show, give us a rating, rate, review, five stars, all that. If you enjoyed the conversation today, we'd really appreciate that too. So thanks again for listening. Check out all the archives at hrhappyhour.net. We will see you next time and bye for now.